Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. I'm Tom Rowland, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. That's what we needed. Mega. Oh. Never in my life have I seen that. That was Ryan Nitz. And that was the exact video that made me send him a message and ask him to be a guest on Saltwater Experience. I don't know what it was. There was just something about it. I mean, he was incredibly enthusiastic. He was authentic and he was catching giant snook out of a canoe. I contacted him and set it up and I wasn't disappointed when I got there. He was knowledgeable and enthusiastic, just like he was in his videos. And he took us right to the same place that I had seen. And sure enough, there were giant snook there and it made for some incredible television. We probably filmed one of the best shows we've ever done. And it certainly was one that I remember very well and enjoyed very much. I, I liked Ryan right away and we got to be good friends and I've stayed in touch with him ever since. And when I first met him, he was spraying for cockroaches, doing pest control. And I just saw this kid that had so much enthusiasm for being outside and being on the boat and catching these fish and so much knowledge. I mean, he was he was completely obsessed, and I really kind of had my doubts on whether or not he could stick out the pest control business, which I'm sure is a great business, but this guy just had too much enthusiasm, too much, too much of an obsession, really, and I was right because I've stayed in touch with him, and Ryan has told me recently that he has quit his job. And he has a boat and he has a job as a turkey hunting guide. And he's got big plans for what he's going to do in the next year. He's burning the boats and he is committed to making a living outdoors. And I am super happy for him. So I sat down with him. I learned all about what he's got going. And I love this one. I think you're going to like it too. And it's going to come to you right after I tell you a couple of things. First of all, as always, this episode is brought to you by Waypoint TV. Waypoint TV is an outstanding place for you to stream your favorite outdoor content. Man, there's so many different producers getting on Waypoint these days. Just a while ago, I was telling you there were over 60 different producers. I have no idea how many there are now, but there's way more than 60, and there's way more than 2,000 episodes. You can go there and get them all on any device you want for free. Go to waypointtv.com. You can find out exactly how. Also. We've got a bunch of exciting stuff going on. I just got some of the best podcast interviews that I have done yet. 
and Ryan Nitz is one of them. I also got to sit down with a young filmmaker, Davis Bennett. It's going to be coming up real, real soon. And two of the biggest YouTubers there are, uh, Black Tip H, huge, so many views on all his stuff. Found out all about Josh, what he's doing, where he's going, what his goals are. And then I also sat down with another guy that I really enjoyed, Deer Meat for Dinner, Robert Arrington. So stand by for those. Those are coming up in the next couple of weeks. We release them every Wednesday. I also want to take a second just to thank you for listening. And thanks for the feedback. I've been getting, you know, feedback on social media. And then we've also set up an email address, podcast at Saltwater Experience. And I've gotten some really nice emails there. I really didn't know what to expect when we started this podcast. I just thought it might be kind of fun. And I am really excited to know that you guys are liking it so much. So if you want to send a, an email, go ahead. Podcast at Saltwater Experience. And if you've got some people that you want to hear me interview... Uh, I'd love to hear it. Deer Meat for Dinner was one that uh, a lot of you, a lot, wanted. And I am so glad I tracked him down and I wasn't disappointed. So stand by for that one coming up. Also, if you could just rate and review this podcast on iTunes, that's going to help us keep this thing going and get to so many of these other interviews as we get more and more people listening to it. Makes it more of a sustainable thing. And I would love it. I'm having a really good time with it. So anyway... Thank you all for all of that. Now, without any further ado, let me introduce you to my friend, Ryan Nitz. So what have you been doing, Ryan? Well, this year's got a lot of big changes for me. I, uh, I actually just quit my job of four years, four and a half years. I've, I've been doing pest control. And I came to that point where um, I was either going to put all my time and resources into making a pest control company and I got all my certifications, you know, after working under somebody so many years, you can go get all the certs and whatever. And I did that. I was going to take out a loan and, and make a business out of it. And right before I did that, I just, you know, with the Instagram thing, you know, people say I'm Insta famous or whatever, but I, you know, I have a little Insta cred and I have all these opportunities coming. And I just, I know that I wouldn't be able to do any of those if I was focusing on doing pest control, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I could have probably made a ton of money doing it but I would have been busy answering phone calls. Hey, I got ants in my bathroom. And I just <laughs> wasn't. Sorry, the snooker biting. Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, I quit my job. And at that time, obviously I had some things lined up. I had a guy, his name's Gray Drummond. He's the owner of Florida Outdoor Experience. And um, he offered me to come guiding for him turkey hunting. So that was my first step. What, what, all, what all does Florida Outdoor Experience do? Just turkey hunting or do they do other things? No, they do. They are, um, it's so the owner is Gray Drummond mm -hmm. and very cool dude. He is one of the coolest dudes I ever met. He's like a fifth or sixth generation Floridian. Mm -hmm. um, and he owns a ton of land up in Chiefland that his ancestors owned back in the 1800s. So it's a really cool story. And um, he found me on Instagram last year. He wrote me and said, hey, man, I like your pictures and whatnot. Um, could you come take some pictures of the lodge? And in return, I'll let you bow hunt. <laughs> he, knew, he knew how to get you going. I said, I'm on my way. <laughs> so I did. And um, it just it's one of the, I mean, I've been everywhere in Florida. I've hunted every, every you know, North Florida, South Florida, West Florida. And this place that he has over there is one of the coolest places I've ever been to. Yeah. It is old Florida to the T. And so, you know, we kicked it off. He liked me, I guess. And he offered me a job to turkey hunt. So that was back in the fall. So I was like, man, I really want to do this, but there's just no way I'd be able to do that. 
if I was doing the pest control thing. Mm -hmm. So I quit the pest control thing and I just got back doing the turkey hunting. Turkey season's over. And I was with them for six weeks doing that. It was awesome. And I just know that the guide life is for me, whether it's turkey guide, hunting guide, or, you know, fishing guide. So my next form of income now I'm working on is, um, I just enrolled to sea school. Nice. So I'll be getting my captain's license here in the summer. I don't plan on being a full-time guide. Really what I want to do is just, like I said, I have so many people coming to me and they want to go fishing and so to do it legally, I want to get my captain's license. Mm-hmm. I want to do it the right way just so I can go and take people during the summer and, you know, put them on a big giant mm-hmm. snook. Yeah. In the fall, what's funny is last year when you came or two years ago when you came and filmed with me, one of your camera guys, Jake Latondres, mm-hmm. uh, me and him hit it off. Since then, we've worked on a few things. We've gone hunting together and he's doing, you know, all kinds of stuff videography wise. And um, he's taking me under his belt and he's going to bring me on some projects with him and let me work with him. So we're, we got a few projects lined up in the fall for that. So that's what's set in stone right now. What I want to do along the way is YouTube it all. Mm-hmm. YouTube the journey from, I already did, you know, some clips of me quitting my job and whatnot. But it's just hard taking it all in, learning the editing, learning the software, learning everything from A to Z by myself. Yeah. You know, I didn't go to school for any of it. I went to school for criminal justice and whatnot. And uh, I wish I would have known I, I would have went for photography and videography. But it's, it's cool. I get home now that I don't have a job. My job now is watching endless amounts of YouTube videos on how to work Adobe Premiere or Photoshop. And so it's just, you know, this next year, I don't really plan on making any, any money, but it's, it's getting that foot in the door to get there. Yeah. So it's going to be a journey. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, Jake Latondres, some, some of the audience may know him, but he films all kinds of stuff. And when I say that he is on the fringe of an outdoor videographer, he is like he is going and doing these extreme sheep hunts and he's posting pictures. Have you seen that outdoor cameraman? He has an Instagram. His handle is like outdoor cameraman, I yep, think. Yep. Outdoor cameraman. Yep. And he's been posting lately a ton of these pictures of him on these knife edge ridges. I mean, he's he's got ropes, he's got cameras, he's trying to do all of this stuff. And he is he is he I think Jake specializes in the most difficult, most extreme, challenging situations that a cameraman can find themselves in. It's cool. That's a cool Instagram because he he writes like a little story. Like it's not just throws a picture up there. He writes a little story of like, I got to this place and I wanted to do this and I found this guy that could take me up there. And he's like, I don't think you can do it. And he's like, I can do it. And then they go up there and they become fast friends. And then they, they climb this ridge that Basically, your the story that that was on there was basically his life is in this guy's hands, and that guy's life is in his hands, and they just met at the bottom of the mountain, and they throw themselves into this deal. And he was saying that that was one of the more memorable things that he's done on his travels. But man, Jake Jake is an excellent one for you to be uh, mentoring under because he's a he's a camera geek. He he knows all about the cameras. But he also specializes in what you do, and that is getting out there and and being in the in the stuff. So that's cool. So what's your first project with Jake? What are you planning on doing? Well, um, we're gonna go to Texas on the Guadalupe River and film some stuff there. I uh, I really don't know the extent of it yet. Is that fishing or hunting? I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not he, asking too many questions. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the thing in Texas, I'm not sure exactly what it is. He just said, I need another cameraman. Are you down? And I said, I'm down. So we haven't worked out the details with that yet. But I do know that we're going to Alaska in November. Nice. And there I will be helping him film a, I'll be filming him on a black Sitka hunt, blacktail okay. hunt. And we're going up there on Kodiak Island. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so you've seen that one so clip, right, of him with the oh uh, yeah, with the bear yeah. that's right over his shoulder. That's probably the best clip that you can get. Unbelievable, I mean, unbelievable. So what we're talking about is Jake Latondres on his Instagram. He has a he is actually shooting. There's a hunter in front of him. You see the hunter's shoulder, and then in and it's just a little bit out of focus. And in focus is this giant Kodiak foaming from bear. the mouth. I like, mean, coming coming in. It looks like, I mean, even the camera, I mean, Jake is rock solid in there and he is holding it. But I mean, it, it, sometimes the hunter's even like, yeah, now's the time. We got to, we're going to have to go. And Jake just hangs in there and hangs in there and hangs in there. Incredible stuff. And that's got to be, I mean, I don't know how you do that, but I guess Jake is just, is just focused on the shot. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to, just going to hang in here. Exactly. And that's where he shines. I mean, I don't think my my video of that would have been like this the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> my video like that would have been down on the ground. <laughs> and, and you running. Uh, well, I know not. I know enough not to run right, from right. a grizzly bear, but I might have just been kind of behind something. As long as you know. can run faster than the other people, you're that's, fine. That's what they say. That's you can carry a twenty two and you just shoot your friend in the foot. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, well, this is a, a giant change. And did it? Did you? Were you in turmoil? over this decision or was it one of these things that you just slam the book I'm done yeah when something gets in my mind that's it so you know when I came down and and I had all these things coming at me I just knew that there's no way there's no way so Mm -hmm. and I'm the kind of guy once I get something in my head I'm gonna do it until it's done Mm -hmm. or I'll go crazy so yeah I mean it's gonna it's definitely a risk don't get me wrong but worst case scenario like I said I have all my certifications and so if it doesn't work in a year, I just go back to doing it, but I know it's going to work. But you can't have that. You have to you have to get yourself in a position to where you you've burned the boats. And you did basically. I mean, you quit your job, you have moved to this. It's not like you can just step right back into that, can you? No, nah, I would there's no way. <laughs> right. I told my boss, I said, "Listen, if you get behind or if you need my help, go ahead and call me, you know, I'd love to help you out." But if he called me today, I just, there's no way I could go back. <laughs> well, well, you had six weeks under your belt. So, and that's your, that's your first turkey, full on turkey guiding. But you, you have all these videos where you're taking buddies and you're taking friends. So, I mean, you are an experienced turkey guy, but in an official capacity, were you official? Were you like with people you didn't know? And all of a sudden it was, was that new to you or what was new about this experience? Absolutely. I mean, it's a five-star hunting lodge over there. So, you know, I had, like you said, I, I, I guide my girlfriend, my best friends around, but these guys were coming in on their private jets. Mm. I was picking them up on the tarmac with my truck. You know, everything was real professional, which, you know, I'm, I'm good with stuff like that. I'm pretty good with talking to people and it was awesome. Everyone who came in was awesome. Everyone had a great time. Um, all the guys that I guided, you know, I still have all their contact information. They all want to come fishing now. Mm -hmm. So it was awesome. Um, and just being up there, being with the guides, some of the guides there are Chris Whitman. He was Mm -hmm. one of the guides, um, the captains for, you know, he's the founder of captains for clean water, 
flip palette. He's the yeah. guide up there. So just yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, he's. I want it. I uh, you know, I want him to come fish with me in the summer. Yeah, and but he's he's an inter- super interesting dude. Yeah, what was your time like with him? Slow, slow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one of the weekends I went up there, I wasn't a guide. I was actually a cameraman. Uh, Lacey, Captain Lacey, who is the other operator of Florida Outdoor. He's. She said, "Do you want a guide or do you want to go film?" And I said, "Film with Flip Palette." I said, "I want to film with Flip." Yeah. And um. We went hunting with him and he's just like I expected. When you walk through the woods with him, he's, he's looking around. He takes in everything. He walks 10 yards and stops and listens to, I don't know what he's listening for, <laughs> but you can just see that he's just an old Florida boy just living in his element. Mm-hmm. And I could talk to, for him, to him for hours yeah. and never get bored. The stories he tells, the way he tells them, just super cool dude. So... I hunted with him and his client that we were with shot a bird and it was just a super cool time. But, uh, I want to go fishing with him. I want him to, you know, I want to, most of the fishing I do is conventional and more and more I'm surrounded. You know, a lot of my new friends are fly fishermen Mm -hmm. and they all tell me the same thing. Fly fishing is great. Once you do it, you're not going to turn around. So I want to pick it up and, uh, it'd be cool to have flip come down and just learn it from him or just learn a few things from him. But I know he's a busy dude, but if I can get him down for a day or two in the summer, that'd be pretty cool. Man, I'd like to go fishing with him too. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely somebody on the list of, of people that I would love to share a boat with one day. Absolutely. He is nothing but respect for the man. He has been able to do amazing things and inspire tons and tons and tons of people, more people than he'll ever know. That he he inspired with his show and 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 the time that his show was on the air, ESPN was probably at its 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 high point in ratings. So, and that Saturday morning time slot, I mean, I used to watch that show uh, religiously. I'll never. I mean, some of my times growing up as a kid, I don't remember much, you know, but I do remember, like you said, ESPN Saturdays. <laughs> my dad cooking breakfast, watching him and Jose Wahabi every weekend. Absolutely, every weekend, and yep. you. Yeah, well, we we had a, a a little show on on there, a two minute show during that time. But, um, but you know, it's, it was an honor to be on that block, honestly. And uh, that's when we were first getting started. We had that little two minute show there, and then we had the the show on OLN at the same time. And that's when the television ratings were really really impressive. There were a lot of people tuning in on those Saturdays. And things have have changed slightly with the television. I mean, and no didn't longer have an... do we have thirty channels to choose from. We have three hundred or seven hundred or twelve hundred channels to choose from. So things have become a little bit more diluted, and that one destination is not there anymore. But you know, things change, and and uh, we adapt and and move on. But that show. And has been incredibly influential in in my life because you know I I remember even leaving the dock in Key West when I was first getting started in Key West and and hearing the theme music playing in my in my head it sounds corny but I mean I would I would leave the dock and I and it would just I would just hear hear yeah. that and but he he's an amazing storyteller and I would imagine that you get him around a campfire and and in an unhurried environment where where nobody's going anywhere that that the real stories come out some really really good storytelling absolutely well that's cool so now you are in a position to where you're making a major life change and i know that you've had this your your girlfriend for a long time how does she feel about all of this 
she's all for it. She's uh, behind me 100%. She's a little jealous that, you know, Monday morning comes around, she's going to work and I'm going fishing. Yeah. Um, you know, and down the road, I would love to, um, you know, make enough money to where I can tell her, okay, quit your job and, you know, mm-hmm. come with me, whether you're, you know, the host or the camera lady or, you know, cause people want to see her too. Right. And, um, she, she's something else. I mean, she hunts and fishes better than 99% of my buddies. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about her is, you know, she didn't do any of that before I met her. Her parents and her, and her grandparents were pretty conservative. Is she a Florida girl? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so when we first started dating and I, you know, started taking her out to the woods, it scared the heck out of her mom and her grandma. And like to the thought of her going out in the woods with a gun and a redneck cowboy or whatever, that's their <laughs> idea of it. Now they love it. They all bought fishing poles. They go fishing. And really? They, that's yeah, awesome. it is. You've cool. had that effect on that whole family. That's amazing. It is cool. And it's just, and as that's it with most people who don't hunt and fish, they don't get it. But once you show it to them, they love it. Yeah. So it would just be cool to bring her on um, and and just have her every step of the way because she would just be a huge help. So that's the goal. In about a year, you know, if I can start making enough money, just tell her, okay, quit. We got it, mm-hmm. you know, but. So the money's coming from the, the full-on turkey guiding. Mm-hmm. And that was a booked out season. And now you're in the middle of that. And you tell me that you told me that you were, um, you're, you're going through all the footage that you shot and all of that and, and learning how to edit and, and, and you're working on that. And then when does the stuff start with Jake? Jake starts, well, recently we were supposed to go to Texas in June and I think that got postponed. I just was talking to him today, got postponed due to, you know, how politics are sometimes not everything was lining up. So that got postponed to the fall. So really this summer, it's just working on, you know, learning how to work this camera, my new camera, learning how to edit it, learning how to see school. I got to do see yeah. school, learn yeah. how to become that and just figuring out all the grown up stuff, you know, taxes, yeah. health insurance, doctors, all that. Yeah, that's a big step. It is. And especially, you know, I don't really have anyone to mentor me. My mom and dad, uh, you know, great people, but I don't come from money. They don't have health insurance. So when I have any type of health insurance question, like, hey, mom, you know, should I pay this medical bill? I don't pay them. You know, <laughs> we, you know, they're, so I don't have anyone to really, do, I'm just doing it all on my own. Yeah. Figuring it all out on my own, which yeah. I love. I love it. Well, there, I remember those days of starting the, starting the business and, and figuring a lot of that stuff out. And luckily I did, could ask my dad a lot of questions and did ask my dad a lot of questions, probably didn't ask him enough questions in hindsight, just thinking I learned by beating my head against a wall. That's, that's how it seems that, that I learned best, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people out there that you could ask, you know, a lot of people would, uh, would, would be happy to help you with, with certain things like that, but that's tough. So you're 27. Is that right? Yep. Just turned 27. 27. When I was 27, I was starting my business and that's when my wife and I decided to get married right in there. So that was a, that was a, a, a real big year. That was a real big year for me. So I'm kind of trying to put myself back in that, in that situation, but you remind me a lot of myself, man, just ready to roll and, and hard at it. I'm ready to do whatever I can get my foot in. I'm ready. You know, now that I don't have a job, I'm just anything that comes my way, I'm ready to tackle it. So when we talked before, you were talking about not only just working with Jake and doing the turkey thing, but like traveling and, and telling your story like that. Are you still thinking about doing that? Absolutely. So where else do you like to go? Well, um, 
I like it everywhere. Every everywhere I go is so different and so fascinating to me. Just going to like every year I like to go to Nebraska and mm -hmm. um, we're planning a trip now with my my good friend Colton and uh, Brandon. We we like to go up there every year and do turkey hunting up there. But just I would love to create some kind of YouTube platform where you know, people are always messaging me, Ryan, I want to see more of you. I want to see more of you. And, you know, when I was doing the pest control thing, it was hard to work eight, 10 hour days and then come home and, and edit. Yeah. But people want to see it. So I would just love to create a platform where people who can't go out there and do it can see it. Mm -hmm. So going to Nebraska, going to a small town, Nebraska, filming everything A to Z, people love to see that. And that's what I want to do. And I'd also love to collab with, you know, people like you were, you were saying, um, Davis Bennett, he's a local guy here in Jupiter. Yeah, I would love to go film with him a day, or uh, another guy around here who's who's pretty big, Paul Cafaro. Oh yeah, my son follows all those guys, man, and that's <clears throat> that's actually probably because of my son. I ended up, I'm pretty sure that's how I found you. Is my son's like looking at all these, and he's he's following you, Paul Davis, Ryan Izquierdo, and you know, so I end up following all these people. Or maybe I was following you first and he was, he had that whole group and he just continues to show me this cool stuff, man. And ended up the same kind of deal. And it, it goes back to this Instagram thing that is just, I've done it now a whole bunch of times and doing it again, where you just are able to get this idea of someone's life, like what it is that they do. And they're selecting these shots and they're selecting these photos and they're selecting these videos for no other reason than they think they're cool. Right. And so you get on there and it's just consistent. That's cool. That's exactly what I think is cool. That's exactly what I think. And you go through these, 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 you know, this, this feed of, of video clips and pictures. And eventually it's like, man, I know that this guy is doing exactly what I would want to do. And so that was the, that was exactly how it happened with, uh, with you and I of just making contact through Instagram and through the message, just saying, Hey man, would you want to get together and fish? Well, I know, um, like you say, Instagram's great. I mean, some of my best friends now are through Instagram is because of Instagram. And I think the way you really found me was through David McLeat. Oh yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's, I can't believe I leave David out, man. David is such a good dude. And, and he kept posting these giant snook. Like, David, what is going on? He's like, this is this guy, Ryan Nitz. He's awesome. Like, should we, should we go film with him? And he's like, oh, he would be awesome. So that's, that's when it, that's when it happened. That's exactly right. I totally, sorry, David, yeah. you might be listening. I'm <laughs> sorry. I left you out. I don't mean to leave you out. Big Dave. Yeah. So I was, uh, how me and Dave hooked up, you know, I was taking pictures of turkeys and putting them on there. And, you know, I don't know if I messaged him or he messaged me, he was doing the same thing. And he was like, man, you're taking great pictures of the turkeys. I said, well, come on over. Let's go shoot one morning. Mm -hmm. He lives on the West coast of Florida, but he had no problem driving three hours <laughs> to come take some pictures of turkeys. Yeah. And that just shows you his drive for it. So we started taking pictures together and, uh, I mean, instantly hit it off. Dave is probably one of the nicest guys I know. I mean. Unquestionably. Yeah. That one of the nicest Super guys. cool dude. And, and he makes for a good bodyguard as well. Absolutely. If you, if you need one. Yep. But David, you know, you're talking about him getting up and driving three hours. I used to say, David, we need a photographer. And he's like, when? Tomorrow morning, we're leaving at six. And He'll be he there. would get in that little red truck. Yep. Did he still have that little no, red truck? No, he finally upgraded. I know he, I know he's upgraded since, since then, but he had this little red Toyota. And man, he would just drive 
eight hours, whatever, whatever yeah. it took. And he would show up and then he would take those pictures. And I always, you know what I liked about David McLeaf the most is that he would, it's very similar to you and your fishing. And one of the things that drew me to wanting to fish with you was that you fished out of a canoe and you had a five gallon bucket was your live well and you had a canoe and you were minimalist and you had maximum results. I thought that was super cool. David would show up with this little tiny yellow pelican box and he would maybe have one lens, one extra lens in there. He had a big lens and a small lens. That's it. And at the end of the shoot, his shots were phenomenal. And he just was very selective. He didn't have a motor drive and taking, you know, a thousand pictures. He would just, the tarpon would jump and he'd go click, click. <laughs> Got it. And I mean, and he would, he would get it. And, uh, he, he's just, he's got the right eye. He's, he's very talented. I saw the same thing in, in, in your photos that, that you had the right eye. And, uh, and that's what Instagram does for you is you're, you're able to get a, get a glimpse of what someone thinks is cool, not just today, but over time, you can look back through three years and, and you can see either the progression of their photography or that it has remained co consistent throughout. And like David with his, uh, nobody, I don't think there's anyone who has nailed the tailing redfish at sunset shot or the, the caught redfish at sunset shot more than David. And he's just got that so dialed because of his fishery. That's what happens there where he fishes every evening and every afternoon at a certain time of the year. It slicks off the redfish tail like crazy. He goes out there. He knows what he's going to get. He has a tripod like this. He can set it up. Everything's perfect. And over the years, he has gotten better and better and better and better at doing that to where the, the fish is in perfect light. The angler is in perfect light and the sun behind. Like it almost looks like he's using a light of some sort. And maybe he is. I don't know. But he, the results are incredible because I've tried to take those kind of pictures and, you know, the per, you get a beautiful sunset and the guy's face is black. Dark. Yeah. You know, you get the guy's face is perfect and it's like, man, it was beautiful. What, what happened? The yeah. sky looks like it's snowing. Um, but he's, he's done such a good job like that. And, uh, uh, but it, that's what it takes, I think, for, I, I don't know, I guess if you're a trained photographer, you know, okay, well, it's really bright there, it's really dark here, this is how you need to set up the camera and all that. I think in David's situation, it's just repeated trial and error. Trial and, error. and it's like, that one looks really good, this one looks terrible, this one looks terrible, I'm going to go back to what I was doing before, and, and that's kind of the photographer I am. David's probably way smarter than me, so he can cut that, cut that learning curve down a lot, but He's got that shot. He really does. That's that's amazing. Um, so what I would like to see is more of you fishing out of the canoe. Yeah. Well, that's going to be tough considering I just got a new flats boat. Yeah, but but the canoe is the canoe is super cool, and I love the story. Like we kind of told the story on the on the show, right? But it was but, a little windy for what we wanted to do. I know, but I'm talking about the story for of you how you end up in that canoe. My dad. My dad came in one day and he said, Ryan, you got to go to Sports Authority and check out this canoe. And I was like, Dad, I don't, I don't want no canoe. <laughs> Next week, Dad, Ryan, you got to go check out this canoe. I'm telling you, it's a sweet little canoe. It's, you know, it's pretty, Dad, I don't want a canoe. So a couple, you know, maybe a month or two went by and I was in Sports Authority for something else. And I see the canoe and I'm like, <laughs> man, that is a sweet little canoe. 
And it wasn't on sale anymore, but I grabbed the sales associate and I was like, hey, you know, my dad told me this was on sale. Like, is there any, she's like, I got you, we'll get it. And uh, so I bought the canoe. I slapped a hundred dollar trolling motor on that thing and, uh, you know, put a battery in there and I was on the water for, I don't know, maybe 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. The canoe was 300 and 100 for the motor, 100 for the battery. And I was on the water for 500 bucks catching giant snook. Yeah. And I fished out of that every day up until like a month ago. Yeah. And like you said, it is, there's the canoe. It, like you said, it makes you slow down. There's no, okay, they're not here. Let's run. Okay. They're not here. Let's run. When you get to a spot, that's it. You're there. Mm -hmm. You're not going anywhere. So it really, you really learn an area. You learn everything there is because you don't have a choice. Yeah. You're also not burning through bait. Like, I don't like that one. Uh, let's try this one. Oh, it's dead now. You know, you got four mullet. You got four mullet. You better make them work. And <laughs> don't matter what they're doing, you're going to figure out how to work. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I've found out you could skip dead mullet and catch them better almost skipping them. That's what them. you were telling yeah. us. You're like, I think they like them better dead. And you're taking <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, that's so. So you got a new flats boat. I did. I got a uh, Ranger Phantom. Nice. Yep. And what do you plan on doing with this? More of the same, or do you have when you when you get when you come out of a canoe and all of a sudden you got a, a ninety horsepower or whatever you got on there and a big fuel tank? Now the world has opened considerably. Do you already know where you're taking this, or is it a, a a series of exploration, or are there places where you're like, man, if I could just get over there. I know that's where they are. Well, you know, basically everything's going to stay the same. It's just going to be a little easier for me. And a lot of the guys, um, I can't take a lot of the clients fishing on the canoe. It just right. would never happen. Yep. So that was, you know, a big part of it as well. You know, I want to accommodate some of these guys who want to go fishing. But just, you know, for the for the videos, you know, for me to, and my girlfriend to take it up to Mosquito Lagoon for the day and venture all around Mosquito Lagoon, you know, me, we did that a lot with the canoe, but you can only go to one little area there. Mm -hmm. So you can't really learn it. So I can go up there now and in one day I can ride around the whole place and figure it out. Or, you know, I want to go to the Everglades or, you know, if it's one to two chop, you don't want to be in that canoe. Right. So having the boat's going to help a lot, but, um, the, the canoe is definitely where my roots are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. And then you're also a deer hunter. Deer hunting is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell everyone if, I'm only fishing because it's not hunting season. You know? <laughs> so, well, you seem to be pretty good at it, just to be waiting for hunting season yeah. to come around. Yeah, well, I mean, I live in a you know, Jupiter, Florida is one of the greatest places because you live five minutes from the beach and you live five minutes from the woods. So, the seasons here line up perfectly. January is the end of deer season, so that winds down, and then it's duck season. So, I'm duck hunting January and whatnot, and then that goes right into turkey season, which is March and April, and then May is when the snooks start to really come in. In May, June, July, and August, I'm snook fishing. August is bow hunting. And so it just, it's great. There's there always something to do here. Yeah. So, but yeah, bow hunting is my number one passion. I love bow hunting. What is it that you like so much about it? Just being away. When I'm up in the tree, I don't think about anything. And there's, I'm just, I'm there with nature and wildlife and I'm not thinking about the bill that's due. I'm not thinking about the traffic. I'm not thinking about anything other than just, you know, if I kill a deer, great, but I'm just there enjoying myself. And I just feel at home when I'm in the woods, mm -hmm. you know, I don't hear any sirens. I don't hear, it's just great. Yeah. So one thing that I've been very interested in when I follow you on Instagram and seeing what you're doing is you're, you're having really good success, particularly on turkey. And I'm a deer hunter to an extent, but I'm more of a turkey hunter. I like turkey hunting better than I like deer hunting. 
I don't have the outlet to deer hunt like I have the outlet to turkey hunt where I am. So I can kind of learn the turkey on my own and and it's just easier for me to go there at that time of the year and do that than it is typically over deer season for the last, oh, 10 years or whatever, the boys have been wrestling. So there's wrestling practice, there's wrestling tournaments, there's wrestling this, there's wrestling that almost through the entire deer season. So that is not a life enhancer. That is a, that is like, uh, I'm going to miss the wrestling tournament because I'm deer hunting. That doesn't, that, that didn't work. And I didn't want to do that. So my hunting has been more turkey hunting. So when I see all of these turkeys that you're killing, and then I realize that you're, you're doing this on public land, how is it that you're having such success turkey hunting on public land? Because I don't know the areas that you're talking about. So maybe it's a giant expanse. Are you just going further back than other people or how are you doing this? It's a combination of things. I mean, ever since I could venture out from the home without my mom yelling at me, I was out in the woods. You know, I, so I eat, sleep, breathe the woods. I'm out there all the time, whether it's with a camera or a gun. And over the last, you know, I'm 27, you know, the last 10 years, I spent a lot of time with the turkey. I know what they're going to do. I know what they want to do. Um, as far as the public land goes, um, I'm in a position where, yeah, I probably get to hunt more than most people. Mm -hmm. So that absolutely helps. I'm definitely walking farther than most people. Anywhere, a seven mile day for me is nothing. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's average. You're mm -hmm. walking seven miles, whether it's, you know, three, four miles in, three, four miles out. And just going that extra mile, you know, most people are out of the woods at 10 o'clock. Ah. Let's go to breakfast. Mm -mm. We're sitting all day. Yeah. And I've killed most of my turkeys 12, one o'clock. No kidding. Yeah. So, but. And the turkeys that you're killing that time of the day, are they Easterns or Osceolas? They're Osceolas. Down here, it's 100% it's, it's Osceola. They're tough. A lot of time, you end up hunting them like a deer. You're not really... The thing is, it's public land. So these turkeys, they see people. They hear people. They know when... They're there every day. They know when there's nothing in the woods for two or three months, and then they start seeing headlights and trucks, and they start hearing calls. They shut up. The Osceola, I've hunted... I've hunted all the turkeys and the Osceola is by far the hardest turkey mm. to hunt. And I don't know if it's because of the swamp. They're just such thick swamp. They don't like to talk. They're very cautious or if it's just who knows. But I just go the extra mile. I go, I, like I said, I go hard and I don't stop until I get one. So yeah. that's probably why. And do you find that you're able to find hunting companions that can go as hard as you're going? Like Kaylin, my girlfriend? Yeah she's there. Really? She's there a hundred percent. She'll she go every day. Like she'll that. slap a 25 pound climber on her back with a 10 pound backpack and she'll hold her bow and she'll walk through gator infested swamp 10 miles and not complain one time. Nice. And that, yeah. So she, she's there and most of my friends, they're all pretty much die hard too as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, the public turkey hunting to me is one of the more frustrating things that I've done. As you start to work a bird and you get closer and closer and closer, and then you look across and there's another person there. And, and that happens nine times out of 10. Nine almost. times out of 10, you're seeing that happen. Um, I don't know if you saw me and my girlfriend, we shot a double this year. I did. Uh, and see that, that was on one of, one of the hardest, you could ask anyone, one of the hardest places you can kill a turkey in South Florida. And, um, the funny thing about that is, uh, me and my girlfriend, we got to the spot in the morning and. As soon as we like started walking in down this trail, seen headlights. So I walked over there and, you know, you want to figure out, you know, 
where are you going? Where, you know, I don't want to, you know, cross your boundary. You don't want to cross mine. Well, the guy comes up and it's a father and son. And he's like, Hey man, where are you going? I said, you know, I'm going to walk down here. And he's like, Oh yeah, I saw you're blind. I was like, okay, well that's where I'm going to be. And he's like, uh, all right, well, I'm going to walk, you know, a couple hundred yards on the other side of the head. I was like, all right, fine. Well, it gets light out and he's, he's 150 yards away, which is like way too close, yeah. you know? So I was like, all right, you know, whatever. I'm not going to sweat it. I've been in this situation a million times before. Um, and I just let the morning be, well, this guy's nonstop calling like every two minutes. And I'm like, oh. so I just let it be. Sure enough, he ended up killing one. Yeah. At like 10 o'clock comes around. I hear boom, 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 three shots. And I'm like, oh boy. And uh, he comes out, him and his son shot at Jake. So super cool. I was like, all right, congrats. You know, no big deal. I told Ken, I said, let's get out of here. Let's just, let's just go to another spot. So this was at 11 o'clock. Most people would have probably head, head mm -hmm. home, not us. We, uh, we got back in and we just started walking for miles and um, to a place we've never even tried. And I started seeing some turkey tracks. So I said, all right, let's set up here. That day she killed a turkey and that was her first turkey on public land. It was a bearded hen actually. Oh yeah. And down here you can kill, you know, it's mm -hmm. the rule is bearded turkey or gobbler. Well, on public land, I, you know, I saw that bearded hen come out. I said, listen, that's a legal turkey. Let's take it. We shot that turkey Saturday, Saturday night. You know, I'm like, man, you know, there was a lot of tracks. Let's go back to that place the next day. Well, the next morning we get there and I'm setting up. And at this time in the, in the turkey season, I haven't even heard one gobble yet and setting up the chairs and I, he I heard one gobble and I was like, <laughs> so I sit down and I get everything ready and I, I hit the call and the woods erupted. Like there was one going off here, one going off here, one going off here. And I was wow. just, yeah, which is a huge deal. Yeah. So, um, you know, an hour later, you know, I just, you know, I didn't call too much with an Osceola. You don't want to call too much. If he hears you, he knows where you're at. And sure enough, nine o'clock comes in, two of them come running down the road. I had some decoys out. Kaylin, she kept her composure somewhat. You know, I could tell she was like her first shot. She actually missed. And, you know, here I am going, oh no, like this was a big deal. I knew she was going to be super crushed if she didn't get that bird. So she, she missed the first shot and the bird starts running. She had a 20 gauge and I had a 12 gauge. So she misses the first shot and I go to reach for my gun. And by the time I can even grab from my gun, homegirl already shucked in another round and dusted the bird on the second shot on a full blast sprint. Wow. Yeah. I was like, dang. So at this time, by the time now I have my gun up, I already see she shot her bird and the other birds are already running, you know, 40 yards. And I shot one time and rolled it. And it's kind of on film. It's kind of not because, you know, in the chaos, I kind of hit the camera and it yeah. goes down. But you can pretty much see all the thing that goes down. So it was super cool. But we would have never killed those birds if it weren't for the guy who cut us off. Yeah. And, you know, I tell people that all the time. I said, if someone cuts you off, just go somewhere else. It's not worth the hassle. People, they'll get into fights over this stuff. And it's just for me, it's like, let them hunt it. Go, go somewhere else. Right. And, and it's worked for me more than once. You know, I've caught, I shot a giant deer two years ago. Same scenario. I got to the spot. Someone was there and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go over here. I go over here and I shot a giant deer. Nice. So it's just consistency, you know, and, and drive, just keep going and it, it'll happen. I had the same thing happen to me a lot of times on the fishing and even in tournaments where you scout this whole area, you don't see a boat for two weeks before the tournament. And then somehow when the tournament comes, I mean, this other guy's been scouting the same area too, but on different tides or at different times or different days or whatever, you're both looking at the same spot. Neither one of you have seen each other scouting the spot and you both show up at the same time. And it's like, man, you know, I mean, what do we do here? Do you, do you 
do you try to horn in there? Do you, and I don't do that. I, I don't, that has always made me extremely uncomfortable. I don't like fishing near anyone. And just like you say, just, all right, well move on. And sometimes it turns out to be awesome. Sometimes they catch the winning fish or whatever, and that's just the way it goes. Then maybe you need to learn how to drive your boat faster. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but but that's the case with a lot of things. I think is just you know, yeah, that's that's life. You know, if you if if you have all of your eggs in this one basket, well, what happens if what happens if something happens and and somebody grabs your basket and takes off with it? Well, what do you do then? Do you just sit there and cry about it, or do you fight about it, or do you? What, you know, none of that is productive. What's productive is what you're saying is. I'll move on. What's the worst case scenario is that I go over there where I've never, I've been on the other side of this ridge, never been there. I don't know what's there. So let's go over there and maybe go over there and realize, well, I don't need to be sitting in the blind looking at that ridge going, man, I think I need to go over on the other side of that ridge because you've already been there, right? Right. So you know now, you know the property a little bit better and you're learning, you're learning each time. But uh, I don't know. It's always nice when you, when you show up where you want to be and everything works perfectly and the turkey hops out of the yeah. hops off the limb and comes straight to the decoy but sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't what's next for for Ryan Nitz and and uh, blue sky it for me like you you did a little bit about bringing your girlfriend in and and that's kind of the next year i mean do you see yourself pursuing this path because a lot of people a lot of people get into the guiding business and and they don't they don't enjoy guiding as much as they thought because they're not the one that's actually shooting or fishing or whatever. Did you have any issues with that when you were turkey guiding? No, I had just as much pleasure, if not more, putting someone else on it and watching it. And that's when I knew like snook fishing or just snook guiding, I would be okay. Yeah. You know, I've caught enough snook now where I don't care. Someone coming down, never catching a snook. Well, this was with the turkeys. They came down, they never killed an Osceola. You could tell once they shot it, like just being a part of that was so cool. And I have, you know, tons of footage of, of people freaking out with their first turkey yeah. and it's great. And uh, I have no problem watching someone else do it. So I know the guiding is going to be just fine. Do you think that when you move to more of a guide role and as you did these last six weeks that you develop some skills or, or, or worked on some skills or got better at something than, than you were when you're actually the hunter? I'm sure I'll probably have a little more patience. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the most part, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I know not really. I, I just, I, and who knows, I really don't know, I guess, to tell you the truth. I just, I play in it every day is a new day and I don't really know what to expect. I know what I want. Mm -hmm. I just want to hunt and fish and, and be happy with life and not really worry about too much other than the tarpon are rolling or if the turkeys are gobbling or well the the uh the answer to that is to live below your means don't don't get the um the bills too high to where that is thought right man i've gotten myself in too deep if you live if you live simply for a little while until you get the thing rolling that's the deal you can go and hunt and fish as much as you possibly want to especially if you're getting paid for it and that's what's that's what's awesome is when you can develop that into getting paid for it. But still, a lot of people are are quick to be like, "Oh, I'm getting paid five hundred dollars a day. I'm getting a new truck." When the one that they have is fine, and but they get that one extra bill, and then they're then I need two more blinds, and I need 
five more turkey calls, two more shotguns and all this stuff because you got money coming in and you want those tools. And for you, it's cameras and those things. Hmm. Man, they can go higher and higher and higher and higher. But if you if you keep things in check, especially in the beginning, that helps greatly to relieve the pressure of just that month. You know, if there's more more bills than there are months to uh, to make the, the 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 money, that's when that's when it gets tough to be a to be a guide. But, um, you know, what I was talking about a little bit about when you move into the guide role, like you're young, fit, active, nimble, like, like anybody, I mean, you're just, you're, you shoot through the woods and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, I'm going to call this turkey. And then he comes in over there and you're thinking, man, if I didn't have this guy that has this bad knee, we could shoot right through there. And that would be a dead turkey if it's me and my girlfriend. And so all of a sudden you're like, mm, how do I do this? Absolutely. And I had a few hunts like that. Um, and so how do you, how do you work on that? What, what do you do? You how figure do you... out another way. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, you know, I had a bird come in and the guy was sitting on my right and you know, he's, you know, for me or my buddy, it'd be nothing to just boom, yep. right. done. This guy, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I had this bird come in and I didn't have any decoys out. And he knew, you know, he heard my calling. He knew where we were, but didn't see us. So he comes at 20 yards and he sits there and he's gobbling for 20 minutes at 20 yards. And I mean, I could have killed him a hundred times, but my guy's on my right. So you just work through it. I ended up letting that bird kind of work away and he got about a hundred yards away and I started calling again and I kind of strategically placed it when he got to that kind of like a crossroad, I started calling and sure enough, he come right down the other road, right in front of the other guy. Mm-hmm. So it was perfect. And I think that's just it. You got to work, work how to adapt. Well, I think that's where you, I think that's where your skills really, really improve, whether it's hunting or fishing to where early in your career, early in your career as a hunter, you're thinking, man, I just need to get near a turkey and I'm going to blow his head off. And then it's like, okay, well now I'm using a camera. So I need the turkey to kind of come in this way and the light's going to be good on him. If you thought about that when you first started hunting, you're like, man, I just need a turkey anywhere. They can be anywhere. I don't care. And you're lucky to get them to get within 20 yards of you. And then you start getting better and better, better woodsmanship, better calling, better setup, better patience. Everything gets better. And you're like, eventually, and you, and if someone told you this when you first start, that that turkey needs to be standing on that X right there. And you're, that's, that's impossible. There's no possible way that that's going to happen. But with enough time, with enough patience, with enough skill, that can happen. And that's what, that's what you're saying is that, you know, that you, you have to let that turkey go to bring him back around this way so that your client can shoot him. And I think that a lot of times guides don't realize what's happening and they get frustrated that your client can't cast very far or whatever. And so in order to catch a bonefish, it has to be 10 feet in front of the boat. Well, it's hard enough to catch a bonefish when you can cast 100 feet, much less this guy can't cast more than 10 feet. And so eventually, as you're getting frustrated or if you can if you can not become frustrated and start working the situation, you start to realize, well, maybe I don't have to cast 100 feet. Maybe that's unnecessary. And what we thought was the only way to do it is not the only way to do it. And in fact, we could get them to come 10 feet in front of the boat if we're patient. Now, of course, a lot of times 
that one situation where it requires a a uh, uh, hundred foot cast. Well, that fish just keeps on swimming and you never see him again. Or that turkey doesn't stand on the X and he just gobbles off that way and you never see him again. But I, f- I find that very interesting to talk to people that are just starting to, to guide or in the television business, like we, you saw, we got a, we're asking you to take us to go catch those snook. Well, now you're trailing two boats behind you and, oh no, you can't catch it right now because the sun, we're shooting right into the sun. So the other guys need to be on the other side. It's, it's almost impossible to do that. But if you do it slow enough and patient enough, and you realize if you just catch that one with the cameras in the right situation, that's better than catching 10 with the cameras in the wrong situation. Well, that seems like a complete impossibility until you just take the time and blow a few and just realize... I understand. This is the this is the goal. We're trying to do it this way. It doesn't matter if we do it the other way. But that's when your skills start to develop. And I don't even think people realize that they're developing. I did. I know that I didn't. Right. Well, that's why I love hunting and fishing so much. I mean, it just conditions you to be a better person. Patience. What it what challenges the hmm. challenge. Hunting. Nothing is. Every time you kill a turkey, it's something different happened. Yeah. There's no two turkey hunts the same. The obstacles. There's always going to be a new challenge. There's always going to be something different going on. There's always going to be a challenge, mm-hmm. you know? So, but let me tell you, when you were coming, I was nervous the, for that show. I was nervous because I was fishing out of a canoe, just doing my thing. So when you have this TV show call you and want to do a big TV show and you were calling me, you know, every few months to make sure it was going to happen. And I, I told you, I said, it's going to happen as long as it ain't windy. Mm-hmm. And two days before you said, Hey, we're, you know, we're on our way. Is everything good? I was like, eh, it's blowing about 25. <laughs> so I was nervous, but like you said, you know, um, we took our time and, uh, we got that one first big fish in the boat and we did it. Yeah. We did. The, yeah, it was amazing. That yeah. was, that's still to this day, one of my, one of my favorite shows that we've ever shot. And, and it shows, it, it shows, apparently it shows to the audience because that one has some of the highest ratings that we've ever gotten on anything. So it was, it was really good. And I was in the, I was in the, the Walgreens here getting one of the cards for this recorder. It's funny because I saw Davis Bennett in the same Walgreens, but I'm standing there and I'm looking at these cards and this guy comes by, Hey man, love your show, especially the one with a snook. And I was like, Oh, awesome, man. That's, that's really nice of you to say. But it, I found that it was interesting that, well, of course, I mean, he's, he's interested in the show that's shot in his area, I guess, but I get that a lot that people, they, they pick that show. And I think that it's super cool. We just had the you know, you as a young, young guy that has pioneered this fishing and, and took us in there and did something completely different than what we were doing. And, uh, and that's, that's super cool. Six weeks at a turkey lodge. I want to know, are you cooking the turkeys when you're there? No. So no, uh, no, it's, I mean, it's mostly for the clients, you know, what they want to do with the bird, but we had catered food every time. You know, <laughs> well, I'm looking for a turkey recipe, and you're telling me you're uh, you you just told me you're eating too much Chick Fil A. I'm thinking, huh? Because it would might you know you're killing a lot of turkeys. No, the tur- honestly turkey wild turkey meat is way better than what you can get at Publix. I know. Uh, I like it. What do you? How do you like to do it? Fried. Yeah, but fried turkey's good. It's great. Um, but you know anything fried's good for the most part. But um, I haven't really cooked it too many other ways to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We did it. We did it one time where we made these little bites and wrapped it in bacon and did that whole deal. And it was delicious. And in fact, my daughter, um, we, we cooked that. And then there were some chicken fingers there and the turkey. And she looked and she picked up the turkey and then she ate all the turkey. 
Yeah. So she she passed over the chicken fingers to go to the turkey. And that's really one of the things I like so much about hunting things that are good to eat, like duck hunting. I just talked to Robert Arrington about this. And I'm like, dude, you got to hook me up with a duck recipe because I love duck hunting, but I don't really like eating them. Right. So it takes a lot of the fun out of the duck hunting for me. But I love duck hunting because it... My dad took me duck hunting. That's my that's my that's my start into hunting was this duck hunting and going to Mississippi and Arkansas and all of these places. And I have these incredibly fond memories of 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 hunting with my dad. But I just don't really like eating them. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I can learn how to cook them better. But that's one of the things that I like about turkeys is man, those They're things great. are good. Yeah. <laughs> those things are good. Venison's good. What else? Squirrel's good. I can eat squirrel. But the uh, the turkey is particularly good. Yeah, it's excellent. It's it's probably one of the it's my favorite wild game meat. It'd mm-hmm. have to be. I mean, elk's really good, but it's just so lean and just. What's funny is whenever I kill something, I always play a trick on my mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh no, that's steak. She'll eat. It. Oh, this is really good. No, that's not steak, mom. That's deer. And, she, and you know she'll. She, yeah, she's from New Jersey, so you know how that goes. But the same thing, like you said, you could you could put a plate of, of chicken nuggets and turkey nuggets and tell them that's a wild turkey after the fact they ate it. And did we lose it? No, I'm we're good. good. So, yeah, wild turkey's great. Yeah. So, do you ever go out of the country? Have you ever done any kind of hunting or fishing anywhere else? No, no, I haven't. No need. Um, yeah, no need really. But I would love to. You know. Um, I need to get my passport is what I need to do, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, if you're going to be working with, with Latondris, I'm yeah. pretty sure you're going to need a passport. Yeah, I would like, love to. You need to get that right away because um, that is problematic if you don't have one and you all of a sudden need, need it. one. Yeah. And I've already, you know, with Robert, he's asked me a million times to come with him, whether it's to the Bahamas or wherever. And it's like, all right, well, let me get my passport. And then I just never get it. But I'm going to get it, uh, you know, now that I quit my job and you know, I just did the turkey thing. I'm finally starting to get all my ducks in a row. It's going to take a little time, but, you know, I want to get everything up to point and be ready for, you know, if Jake calls me and says, listen, we got to go to Nova Scotia for a month or whatever, you know, let's go. Now, he goes to some really incredible places, especially on those sheep hunts. Yeah. I mean, those things live in, what, Iran and places like that. Extreme where, climate. Mean, and, and And not the most hospitable hospitable political environment in a lot of the places that he's going to, which scares me quite honestly, quite more than, uh, grizzly bears is, are you going to get someplace and get really railroaded by customs? I mean, you've got firearms and you've got all of these different (laughs) hunting paraphernalia and all of a sudden they're telling, they're saying, you know, in some, one of these countries, maybe that's $5,000 to get that stuff through. I heard this one story about uh, this one guy going to get the last leg of his sheep grand slam. And I'm not sure what country he was in, but uh, basically a civil war broke out and uh, they end up just staying in the hotel room yeah. while people are fighting it out in the streets. And then they got all their guns taken and then they had to abort the trip and then they had to retool and come back and try it again. And just, I mean, just amazing amounts of, of red tape. And I, quite honestly, that would, that would really take the fun out of it for me. You're always stressing about it. Yeah. I just, I just don't like that part. It's well, what's crazy is, um, we, uh, we went deer hunting last year in Nebraska and, um, me and Jake, and before the trip, he was, I forget where he was, some crazy place sheep hunting. Mm-hmm. And um, like a month before the trip, the horse fell on his leg. 
Yes. And it crushed his leg. And this just shows you how tough Jake is. Well, a month later, he's going to Nebraska with me. You know, he called me, he said, listen, Ryan, you know, right now, I don't know. Um, I'm getting, fl I'm getting flown by helicopter out of here. I don't know if we can go to Nebraska. I was like, Jake, don't worry about it. Well, sure enough, we made the trip and, um, you know, but that's just another thing you got to worry out there. There's no, there's no medical center anywhere near. Yeah. You're, you're hours, if not days away from help in some of those spots. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really tough. Yeah. I don't know that, 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 I mean, you're climbing a knife edge ridge in a place that, Mm, yeah that's scary yeah. to me Mo mom's a little far away yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you know there are um forms of insurance like you get that med jet or whatever that um if if something goes wrong they will come pick you up right There's a number of different services that will do that and uh that is that's probably a pretty good idea yeah as you start moving in that direction to to have you know you could you could push the button and have somebody there but Jake ended up in a in a in a terrible place um, after that after his leg was broken, and I was really worried about him. Sent him a message and and thought, man, do you need money? Do you need what do you need? He was, you know, Jake's got a lot of friends and he had a lot of people that watch out for him, so he was fine. But you know, you're in a, a foreign country uh, with questionable medical facilities, and you've got a multiple compound broken leg yeah. i don't know did the bone come out of his leg or not i don't think it did but yeah, it was so. it, for the most part it was shattered yeah, it was crunched. really really tough and and for a couple of days i'm imagining that he you know is going without certainly without the kind of painkillers he would be receiving here yes yeah he maybe would. it's a bottle of vodka i don't know what they gave him you know but i mean just kind of grit your teeth and chew on this belt for a little while and pretty much helicopter is going to be here in two days yep that's that's, That's tough. tough, man. But he's a tough dude. He is. A cool story about that, though, is so we went to Nebraska a month later. And the way we hunted Nebraska is you would take the truck, you would drive down the mountain or up the mountain to a bridge, and you would put the canoe in at a bridge, float about two miles down river, and you would hunt there. And that's all great. But someone's got to go up the mountain and get the truck at the end of the day. And Jake obviously couldn't walk. So here I am. And this is a place he's hunted forever. So I'm walking up this mountain at dark at, you know, two miles. And I finally get to the truck and I'm coming back to go pick him up. And where I was just standing two or three minutes before, mm. big old mountain lion comes, jumps out into the road. Yeah. And I slam on the brakes and I'm, I'm looking at this cat and I've never seen a mountain lion and I'm looking at him going, I didn't, it took me a second to register what I was looking at. And he just looked at me in the light and that thing must've been eight foot long. His, his tail was giant and it looked at me and just went right off the ravine. But to know, I know for a fact that mountain lion was watching me walk that exact trail two or three minutes before. There's no way that that thing wasn't just sitting down watching me walk right past it. Man, that, the, the mountain lion, I've never seen one in the wild. I'm not saying that one hasn't seen me in the wild. But I have never seen one, and they terrify me. I mean, I've seen grizzly bears many, many times, and they terrify me too. But because I have a little bit more familiarity with them, some for some reason in my head, it has nothing to do with reality. It's just in my head. I'm a little bit more comfortable there because I've seen them. I see how they move. I see this. I see that. They're still terrifying. But the cat, hmm. I mean, I don't like little cats. I have a cat this big and it will mess you up. I know. So, <laughs> I know. And they have teeth this long and they could bite you on the back of the neck. I just, 
you know, there are more and more and more of those things showing up. They're, they're showing up everywhere. Yeah. I mean, well, so when I went back, you know, I get back to camp and I'm like, Jake, 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 you're not going to believe what I just saw. He's like, what I saw, I was like, I saw a mountain lion. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah, was I, was I not, was I seeing things? He's like, no, there, there's a few around here. And so there was an old guy that lived on that mountain. And he's like, listen, if we see that guy tomorrow, let him know that you saw that. And so sure enough, the next day I see him coming down the dirt road in his old truck and I wave him down. I'm like, Hey man, um, you know, my name is Ryan. And I just want to let you know, you know, I'm here with Jake. He said, he knows you. He's like, yeah, I know Jake. I said, listen, I saw a mountain lion last night. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you know, recently I've been finding a lot of, he finds deer whole up in the trees by his no. house. Yeah. Just whole deer up in the tree. And he's like, yeah, they're it's amazing. And I don't know if it's, he said he was kind of explaining it. And I don't know if it's the same thing down here where there's a lot of Florida Panthers down here, but no one wants to acknowledge the fact that there are a lot more than what people really think there are. And I don't know if that's. So, okay. So you're talking about a Florida Panther and a mountain lion. It's the same cat, right? Yes. Called different things regionally. Yeah. It's the right? exact same. So thing. the one that you saw that now they're also, also Florida black panthers, which is a black mountain lion, right? That has adapted to the swamp and the dark environment. And it's, it's just, Black. Have you ever? I haven't seen too much on the black ones. But this I, one, this wasn't even in Florida. This is somewhere else, right? This yeah, this is was, in Nebraska. The one I saw was so, in Nebraska, and that's your typical brown. Yep. Just but right that, out of right out of the book. Yep. But that that cat I saw in Nebraska is the exact same cat we have here. Yeah. And they've even, and what a lot of people, and you know, I don't know the the facts, the facts, but I know that they brought Florida brought in, I believe, from Texas. They brought in some from Texas, and or maybe some other Midwest state. So technically, they're not. 100% Florida Pumas. But when they look at the DNA of a Florida one and, a, and a one in Nebraska, it's the exact same thing. There's mm. no different. Mm. So. Interesting. Um, I don't want to see one. I really don't. I mean, I would like to see one like perched up on a cliff, like way away with binoculars, right. but I'm terrified yeah. of them. I really am. And, and, and I'm not terrified of many things, but grizzly bears and mountain lions. Those are two things. Now, I had an encounter with grizzly bears out, out west that was far too close for my comfort. It wasn't as close as what Jake saw and what we were talking about earlier. But for me, by myself in Yellowstone National Park, I was way too close for my comfort. And I'll never forget that. And it was when I was extremely inexperienced and just honestly lucky things didn't go bad there because I had no idea what to do and was just a young, dumb kid bumbling around in Yellowstone. Right. But that encounter really had a big effect on my life. And, and first of all, I've never gone back to that place ever, never. I made a pact with Yellowstone and with the the universe and with God and with everybody live, I'll else. never come back. That's exactly <laughs> how it went down. If I can get out of here, I will never step foot back on this trail and I will never come back to this part of the park. And I remember we were going through there and I had my whole family there. And they're like, what about that trail, dad? And I was like, nah. not that one. Nope. Not that one. Uh -huh. I have, nah, I'm not tempting fate and I'm not going back there. That is that place sacred yeah. and I do not walk on that path and neither do you because you have my same last name and somehow yeah. karma may come through. Right. Be, yeah. <laughs> you That's also don't go on that path, <laughs> but I don't know if that makes it, there's probably no, no sense to be made from that. But, um, I, I just, 
the mountain lion is is we well, got to watch a terrifying out. creature. Cats like to kill just to kill is the yeah. problem. You know, They'll, they like to just swat at something and kill it, not even well, eat it. At least a house cat does, and I can imagine that those those tendencies go to uh, they absolutely a do, and, and that's why a lot of the people down here in South Florida are up in arms because. All their cattle is just getting slaughtered. Their goats are getting slaughtered. You what know? does it look like when you have a mountain lion attack on a on a cow? Basically, it's just a, a few puncture wounds in their throat, and that's it. You know, they're going in there and they're taking it down and they're just killing it. And a lot of times, or you know, most of the time, they don't even eat it. They're just killing it really? just to, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, do you, do you think that they're killing it and maybe they're going to return to it, or they're just killing it to kill it? Well, probably. Um, you know, the next day when a farmer comes and sees his cow dead, who knows if that. I'm sure the cat was going to come back and maybe eat right. on it, but I just know that they're killing a lot down there and a lot of the animal populations, the deer populations are, if you talk to a lot of people who hunt the Everglades, they'll tell you like there's no more hogs, there's no more deer, Dude, or there's a lot how less. How cool would it be to be sitting there and and see a deer just come nice and easy under a tree, just kind of looking around, sniffing in the air, and all of a sudden a mountain lion leaps out of a tree onto its back and bites a hole I'm, in its neck. And I would breaks love its, to be there. I know. That. that would be so cool. But it would still just, I'm sure it would happen so fast. You know, um, when we're talking about these mountain lions, I just have this image in my head. Have you ever seen those videos of, I mean, I remember Marty Stauffer. You're far too young to, to remember Marty Stauffer. But Marty Stauffer was the original high-end, ultra-high-end nature documentary maker, right? Okay, yeah. He had St Marty Stauffer's Wild America. Right. And I don't know how he would get some of these shots, but he would he would get these amazing shots of bears, mountain lions, all this stuff. And it was, you know, he was showing America what, and I'm sure some of it was in national parks and other, other places. Uh, but he would also show, like, hunters using dogs to to get a cat right so there's a bunch of dogs and they'll they'll still i guess use dogs to to run the mountain yep. lines, right yep and i can just picture this this one thing and the, these dogs surround this mountain line and it's up on this little rocky crag and the the people are coming in to check it out they follow the dogs in there and the dogs are right up there nipping at it right and this thing has its ears back and it is just, it looks like the meanest thing that has ever existed on the earth. I mean, it's got its teeth barred. There's spit flying out. It's just, yeah. I mean, his eyes are just, it's like, man, you get one step closer to that dog. And that's what, that's what ended up happening on this one video that I remember is the dog just keeps coming in and he's watching this dog over here and he's watching this dog over here and he's watching this dog over here. And then this one gets a little bit closer. It's and that dog is done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Then all the dogs kind of back away a little <laughs> bit. The hunters kind of back up a little bit. But just the meanest looking animal. I just cannot imagine cornering one of those things. That uh, accidentally, you know, that would be. Just... Imagine a lion. Well, I saw lions in Africa. And when you were talking about um, a deer being up in a tree, one of the, f we, we, I, I was able to go to Africa with my family and we were looking at all these animals on one of these game preserves and uh, we get there and they're like, oh, we have, there's so many different animals and cats. There's a leopard, right? So a leopard is a badass animal. Yeah. And they say, uh, the, the radio buzz, that like leopard, so-and-so, so-and-so. 
And so we're driving in the in the Land Rover, and uh, they're like, we're going to see a leopard. So we go over there, and I look up in the tree, and I don't see the leopard, but I see a deer in the tree. And then the leopard, like, raises up like mm. that. And he had just carried, I mean, in this tree, yeah. was impossibly hard to climb. And the thing just carried it by the neck, whoop, right yeah. up that tree. And you, just to think, man, and it's sitting up there, you know, 12, 15 feet in the air. It didn't jump up there. It just climbed up there with a 60, 70 pound deer-like creature. Just unbelievably athletic. That thing could just, it could be a person up there. Yeah. Or they could just take you up there. One swipe, like you tree. said, you're done. Yeah. Uh, but the lion too, that, uh, we had this experience. It was probably the stupidest thing I think I might've ever done. We're in Africa and we've done all of these Jeep rides and everything. And if you're in the Jeep, you are perfectly fine. These animals have been accustomed to this Jeep their entire life. And as long as you don't change the silhouette of that vehicle, as long as everyone's sitting down, man, you can drive right up to them. But one time, my nephew stuck a GoPro out like this and everything went, hmm. Yeah. Now that thing's injured. I don't yeah. know what's going on, but that's different. And I'm considering eating it. Yeah. And the guide was like, man, don't you ever do that. Don't ever stand up. Don't ever stick something down. Don't ever change the silhouette. Right. You sit down, everything's fine. Do that again. We're going to have to ask you to stay back at the camp because they don't want to have to kill that animal. Right. Um, but just incredible to pull up to those lions and look at this. <laughs> I don't know how long they are. But they just kept on going. Yeah. And so the dumbest thing that I think I've ever done is they ask us if we would like to go mountain biking. And so we're like, oh, is it safe? Yeah, it's safe. Okay. And I guess I'm thinking, well, I guess we're going to go to a different place than where we've been because where we've been is definitely not safe. <laughs> right. So anyway, we go mountain biking and I end up as the most fit in the family being the adult that accompanies all the kids. Well, some of the kids were pretty young at that age, and the road has a lot of rocks on it, stuff like that. So several of them are having a hard time pedaling over these loose rocks, and they're kind of going down, so I end up being in the back. And the guide's in the front, and on his bicycle, he has a giant gun, you know, because you don't go anywhere in Africa without a gun. So anyway, people are falling down. I'm helping them up and stuff like that. And the guide takes us through this grassy area. And I didn't really like that because I couldn't see everything like we were seeing. And it was just a small area. And we finished the mountain bike deal and oh, got to ride mountain bikes next to a giraffe. That was super cool. And we got to do this. It was an amazing experience. The following day, we go through an area and we get to a grassy area. And it is exactly like the area that we went through. Now, these guides are incredible. And the African guides, to be a guide there, requires basically a college degree in guiding. They have to be able to identify like 1,200 different bird calls just by listening. So they'll have wow. headphones on like we're, we're on, and it'll be like, beow, 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 beow. they're like, oh, well, that's a so-and-so. And then they're, doo, doo. that's so-and-so. And then, beow, beow. well, that's this bird in its mating phase. And they have to be able to identify all of these. They have to, that we would be walking down the, the road and he's like, oh, 
check this out. So line is going that way. See that toenail, how it's going a little bit to the left there? That one is the sire of this one. And he knew every relationship that that lion had had and what it was doing and why it was going this direction and who he was going to see. And if it was coming this way, it would not be safe. But if he's going that way, it's safe. These guys were the most knowledgeable people I, I had ever seen. And I started asking them about their education and what went into becoming this guide. And one of them was a walking guide. And apparently you had to document like 300 encounters with the big, I think they called it the big six so long, the big six or whatever, like uh, a, a rhino, Bow. a hippo, a lion, crocodile, a, a giraffe, I mean, a, 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 a elephant. And so this guy would have to have 300 documented encounters on foot with these things. And he, this guy had like 600. Right. He was way above. And these guys were just the coolest guys that I had ever had. And the knowledge that they had and how they were just so in touch with their environment was incredible. I got off the story. The story is that we go in the Jeep through this grassy area. And I'm like, this looks exactly like where we were yesterday on the bicycles. And we come around a corner and there are like nine lions. And we're, uh, we, they, they stop and they're, they're just laid out all over the sandy area. And there's this tall grass and then you're just standing there. And then the grass just parts and here comes this thousand pound lion right through and the grass barely moves. Like those things could move through that grass, like nothing I've ever seen. Okay. And then he comes over and lays down. And then, then this one gets up and just goes like this and the grass goes, Yep. And just disappears and he's gone. And it terrified me. I was like, we just rode through something like this. Now I'm trusting that the guide knew that that's not where the lions were, but even just thinking about it today, I'm like, man, you get chills up and down your spine. Oh, yeah. Like we rode through that on bicycles, man. Yeah. Like that is not cool. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how animals adapt and just disappear into their natural habitat. I mean, even with deer or even with a bear. You would think you would hear a bear coming up. You would never even, next thing you know, there's a bear behind you. You never uh, even hear him. Yeah, that's, that's super scary. My dad and I had a, had a situation to where we were on uh, Jenny Lake in, in uh, Grand, Grand Teton National Park, and we were in my drift boat, and we are there. Hidden Falls is over here. It's an incredibly popular tourist destination. It's about a one-and-a-half-mile hike to Hidden Falls, and people do it all the time. It's like a paved road almost through there. Right. There's this giant talus slope coming down. My dad and I are fishing for lake trout out in the, in the deal. We're in this boat. We're barely making any sound. And people are walking by. They never see us. They never notice us because we're just out here. They're not even looking over there. They're looking towards the waterfall. And so the, the path kind of goes like this and curves around and then curves around again. So we see this black bear coming down this talus slope. And he's just making his way down. And here are these people coming. And here's this bear coming. And they're going to come around the corner. And there's the bear. And so my dad's like, should we, should we yell at him? Should we tell him? I'm like, no, no, just hold on. We don't want to scare that bear because he doesn't see us. He doesn't see them. Like I was afraid that if we yelled at him, then he takes off down the trail right at them. So we just played it cool. And I just sat there and these people come and all of a sudden this bear smells or hears these people. And he goes, bloop, right behind a rock. These people just walk right on through. 
Never even knew he was Never there. Never knew he was there. And he waits for them to go. And he hops back up on the rock, right back on the trail, goes this way. Here comes somebody else. Bloop. Yep. Right behind the tree. Yeah. And they walk right next to him, right past him. And and just as playful as a puppy, jumps right back up there, down the trail. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Oh, somebody else. Boom, boom. Yeah. And and they never knew he was there. I've and seen, we got to see that. That yeah. was so cool because we had this we had this perspective of being out in the in the lake where the bear wasn't making us out as anything. We we're just a big boat out there. We could be a log. And you know, the people don't see us. And so we were just like it was like we were standing there invisible right. watching this whole thing. And I just thought that was super cool. But you're you're exactly right that you could that a bear, all of those animals can adapt to their environment and be so quiet. And, and it's just, you know, I would be out hiking in Yellowstone and I would smell this musty smell, like, like dank, rotten kind of, not a fresh kill, but just kind of like a kill smell. Right. But there's no kill around. And I asked some people about that and they're like, man, that could be a grizzly bear. Like right there. Yeah. And you hear that. You just make a little noise and just keep on going. Like, because yeah. they don't want anything to do with you. No. They really don't. No, absolutely not. But you don't want to start, huh, are the you thing, back here? Well, that's just it. You just don't want to startle one. Right. That's right. when you get messed up. Oh, but I know. And so we would make lots of noise yeah. hiking through there. But um, that, uh, I can't even remember what I was, talk- was originally talking about with the uh, with the bear story. But anyway, so... Very cool, Ryan. Well, I wish you all the. I guess we'll. I guess we'll end this. We've been uh, been talking for an hour and a half. Wow. Um, so I really wish you all the best. You are uh, you 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 impressed me as a as a fisherman and with somebody with an incredible amount of passion and the uh, the guiding world and the client world is better better for having you out there guiding people. And I wish you all the best of luck. And if we can help you in any way, let us know. And I want to get back together after your next encounter with Jake Latondras because I have no doubt that it's going to be epic and you're going to come back with all kinds of stories. So we'll do it again when you get back. Absolutely, Tom. I think thanks for having me. And yeah, you got my number. Just just give me a shout. All right. I'm always going to be doing something. I'll be following you on Instagram. Absolutely. <laughs> Later, man. See, See you, man. You. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Ryan Nitz is an awesome young man. Man, when he gets in there with Jake Latondras, there's going to be some incredible stories coming from them. I look forward to sitting down with both of them and hearing all about it. If you have suggestions for the podcast, shoot me an email, podcast at Saltwater Experience. Please take the time, if you would, just need a quick favor. Go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. Share it on on your social media platforms. Let other people know about it. And maybe we can turn this thing into from an experiment into something that we can actually keep doing. So I enjoy it. It's been really fun. Look forward to other guests. Send me some suggestions. And we will see you next week. Later.